0: Today, on Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick.
1: love is calling opens up your eyes. Mercy is every. How often I wanted to gather you to myself like a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. Why were they not willing? Because of hard hearts because of hard hearts and still jesus dies for every hard-hearted person including you and me why here's what he really demonstrated on the cross my love will melt their hard hearts my love will melt their hard hearts This
0: is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Ezekiel. On the cross, Jesus demonstrated just how strong God's love for us is. Today, Pastor Gary takes you to Ezekiel to encourage you that God's power and love is strong enough to melt the hardest of hearts, no matter how far away they have strayed from their Creator. The Jewish people in Ezekiel let the culture of the people around them affect their relationship with God negatively, but they were given hope in God's forgiveness and love, which is still true and relevant for anyone to accept still today. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 9, as he continues his message, When God Heals a Hard Heart.
1: the Jewish people get to the place where they had such hard hearts that God would call them out and say, you have stony hearts. And here's an equally important question. How do we get there? Because don't think for a moment that these are the only people who have ever had hard hearts toward God or hard hearts toward one another or hard hearts about life. There are plenty of people walking around the world today, smiles on their faces on the outside, but hard hearts on the inside. People who have this exterior this shell where they don't want anybody to come in not God not you not anything or anyone how is it that we get hard towards God towards life towards one another how is it we become so jaded and cynical about life well there could be a variety of reasons for example some maybe have had a hard life themselves and as a result of having such a hard life, you have kind of made a tough exterior shell to your heart. And you don't want God to come in. You don't want anybody to come in. Or maybe it's the fear of being vulnerable. You've been hurt before. And so by default, you've gotten a hard heart. And your motto is, whether you speak it intentionally or not, you live by the motto, I'm going to hurt you before you ever hurt me. Because that's what rocks do, you see. Or maybe it is, and this might speak more to the guys in the house than it will the ladies, because there's something about guys that are just a little bit more proud, I think, and stubborn in the sense of maybe you just are proud and you just want to be tough and independent. And so you have just shut out other people. You don't need God. You don't need others. You've got this all by yourself. Thank you very much. And that's how you'll die too, by the way. Because nobody wants to be around you when you're like that. Now, if I'm touching on some nerves, don't leave. Don't get mad. I think that God wants to help you today. And here's something else I think. I don't think that anybody who has a hard heart, if you're willing to admit you have one, want it. I think most people who recognize, yeah, I'm I'm kind of hard-hearted. I don't think anybody likes being there. And I guarantee you, God doesn't like us being there. God does not want people to have a hard heart, not towards him, not towards others, not towards life in general. So how did the Jewish people get there, to this place where God would say to them, about them here in Ezekiel 11, you have stony hearts. How did they get there? Well, in part, they got there incrementally. Nobody wakes up one day and says, you know what? I'm just going to have a hard heart towards God and towards the world and towards everybody else. Nobody wakes up like that. It happens progressively, one degree at a time, slowly over time, where somebody's heart goes from being very tender to very hard-hearted. Those of you who are aviators, those of you who like to fly, you know the 1 in 60 rule. The 1 in 60 rule goes like this. If you're one degree off the coordinates then in 60 miles, you will be one mile off of your destination. And it goes proportionally. If you're two degrees off on the coordinates, from the time you take off to the point where you land, for every 60 miles, you're two miles off. Same for three degrees. You're three miles off every 60 miles. So, for example, a flight from New York to L.A., roughly 3,000 miles. If a pilot is just two degrees off in the coordinates... By the time you get to L.A., that pilot will be a 100 miles off of the final destination. This is how it happens with us. It starts out just really tiny, but in the long run, we're way off. This is what happened here with the Jewish people. Look again at verse 12, I want you to just underline in your Bibles verse 12, where God says here, and you shall know that I am the Lord for you have not walked in my statutes nor executed my judgments, notice, but have done according to the customs of the Gentiles which are all around you. Now in those days, Gentiles was just synonymous for pagans. Uh, People who didn't worship God, they didn't uh, believe in the true and living God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they bowed down to idols. They fashioned their own gods. They worshiped false gods. And God is saying about the Jewish people that they got off course one degree at a time because they have adopted, they've adjusted to, they've incorporated into their own lives the customs of the Gentiles which are all around you. In other words, over time, they were seduced by their culture. And it happened one tiny degree at a time. Pay attention to this. Because it's liable to happen in our own lives if we're not wise to this. You can start to look at the culture. And you can start to think, well, other people don't think that this particular thing is that bad. So I guess it's really not. And so before you know it, you think it's okay. You then embrace it. Then perhaps you celebrate it. Then perhaps you even practice it. That's the way it goes. Listen, there's always been two standards. Always. You have the standard of God and his view of right and wrong, good and evil, truth and falsehood. And then you have the world's view of good and evil, right and wrong, truth and falsehood. And sometimes those things line up together. Most times they do not. And so what happens is that we have to decide if we're going to live by the standard that God has determined or if we're going to adjust to and we're going to live by and we're going to get absorbed by and seduced by the culture around us that has a very different definition of things related to good and bad, right and wrong, truth and lies. What happened here with the Jewish people is that they were seduced by the Gentile, by the pagan community around them, by the countries around them, who did not worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They worshiped different gods. And so the Jewish people began to talk like them and live like them and worship like them. And it happened slowly, one degree at a time, until eventually they were so off course that the Jewish people had no regard for God, just like the nations around them. This can happen in our lives, friends. This is why we have to be wise to these things. Do you know somebody? Perhaps you are that person. You start out walking with God. You're close to him. But slowly, over time, you begin seeing the culture around you as normal and acceptable. And then you begin to adopt their practices. You talk like them. You walk like them. You live like them. You worship like them one degree at a time, until you have no real regard for God, just like the rest of the world around you. It's a dangerous thing we must be aware of. It's what happened to the Jewish people. And so at the end of verse 12, again, let me just highlight the words at the end of verse 12, they have done according to the customs of the Gentiles, which are all around them. The NIV says it this way, they have conformed to the standards of the nations around them. The Hebrew language for conform is the Hebrew word asah. And asah means to fashion, make, mold, squeeze. And the word standards or customs is the Hebrew word mishpat, which means styles, manners, philosophies, customs. And so literally verse 12 reads that they were fashioned, squeezed, and molded by the customs and manners of the culture around them. Let me ask you, are you aware when that happens? Because it's easy for any of us. Because again, it's so subtle, so seductive, to end up just kind of conforming to the way culture is, to accept things that the culture accepts, And to slowly over time end up looking more like the culture than we look like Christ. Are you aware of that when it happens? Do you have this trigger in your heart? This alarm that goes off and that makes you aware and that you realize I got to rein this in. That's not really becoming for a follower of Christ. This really won't bring glory to God. This actually makes me look too much like the world, not enough like Christ. I need to stop doing this or stop talking like that or stop going there. I need to pull this kind of thing in because listen, understand the culture is not your enemy. The culture is your mission field. But if you're not careful, your mission field will make a mission out of you. That's just fact. The culture's not our enemy. We want to influence the culture with the good news of Christ. We want to love people who don't know Christ. We want to share the good news. That's why it's called good news. Gospel means good news. They are our mission field out there, outside of the walls of every church. But be very, very careful that your mission field does not make a mission out of you. This is what was happening here with the Jewish people. This is why in the Bible we're warned, Third John verse 11, Beloved, do not imitate what is evil. Like what the rest of the world does, but what is good. He who does good is of God, but he who does evil has not seen God. You don't know God if you're just living like the rest of the world lives. And Paul would remind us in Romans twelve, two, and be not conformed any longer to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind and then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Listen, you know how many times people come up to me and say, pray with me, Pastor Gary, for what is God's will in my life. But here's the deal. You will not be able to test and discern what God's will is unless you are first deciding I'm not going to be conformed to the pattern of this world and I'm going to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. You cannot know the will of God until you are walking with God. And people want revelation. They want, I want to know the will of God, but I want to live however jolly well I want. It doesn't work like that. Do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, Romans 12, 2, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So there's constant caution in the Bible, because here's what happens. If we end up, as the Jewish people did, conforming to the standards around them instead of the standards of God... You develop a hard heart towards God. Because that's inevitably what happens. Because if you want to be living according to the system and standards of the world, then every time anything about God comes up, you're like, don't want to hear it. And any time anybody tries to confront you about your life, don't want to hear it. See, and this is the very reason why the Jewish people did the most extreme thing in this particular time, which was to kill the prophets. Because when you want to live according to the standards of the world around you and not according to the standards of God, then anybody who confronts you, you don't want to hear. So you're either going to run from them or the most extreme thing, what they did, we're just going to kill the prophets. We're just going to kill them because we don't want to be hearing this stuff. Why? Because they're under conviction. People don't like to be under conviction. So rather than surrendering, repenting, drawing near to God, we're just going to kill the prophets. This is the very thing that broke the heart of Jesus. Remember, as he's coming into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, Matthew chapter 23, verse 37, he weeps over Jerusalem. And he says, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those who are sent to her, how often I wanted to gather you to myself like a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. Why were they not willing? Because of hard hearts. Because of hard hearts. And still, Jesus dies for every hard-hearted person, including you and me. Why? Here's what he really demonstrated on the cross. My love will melt their hard hearts. My love will melt their hard hearts. This is basically what God is doing here in Ezekiel chapter 11. Despite the fact that the Jewish people had forsaken him, rebelled against him, turned towards idols, adopted the customs and standards of the world around them, God says, you know what? I'm going to providentially, sovereignly intervene. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give them one heart, and I'm going to give them a new spirit, and I'm going to take out that hard, rocky heart, and I'm going to replace it with a soft heart of flesh. God providentially intervenes in this scene. Look again in your Bibles here, verses 19 and 20. Look with me, verses 19 and 20. He says in verse 19, then I will give them one heart, meaning he's going to replace the divided heart that they have, a little bit of the world, a little bit of God. They have split affection. God says, I'm going to providentially give them singleness of heart, one heart, and I will put a new spirit within them. I'm going to breathe Ruach in the Hebrew, I'm going to breathe my spirit, I'm going to breathe new life into them. My standard, my morals, my motives, my principles, so that they can have a closeness with me. And take the stony heart out of their flesh and give them a heart of flesh. In other words, a soft heart, a tender heart, a heart that is molded by God. Verse 20, that they may walk in my statutes and keep my judgments, and do them, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God. Now, I don't know if you noticed in my reading those two verses, but five times, it's actually three with two inferred, five times God specifically says, I will do something. Look again, verse 19, I will give them one heart. I will put a new spirit within them. Also implied, I will take the stony heart out of their flesh and implied, I will give them a heart of flesh. And then the end of verse 20, I will be their God. Five times God talks about what he will do. And not once was it dependent on the people. And I thank God that there are many times in my life that God said concerning me, I will do. And it was not contingent on my willingness How many of you are thankful that God supernaturally intervened in your life that I will do for you? Even though when you were dead in your transgressions and sins, even though you weren't a willing participant, God said, that's okay. I'm going to supernaturally intervene in your life in a way because of my deep love for you. And I'm going to intervene because God is always the initiator in our lives. I love that about him. God always is the initiator. God took the initiative. To heal their hard hearts. And He will do the same for you. Whether you have a hard heart because of your sin against God, like they did, and you've just simply kind of absorbed into the culture, and God's heart is breaking over your hard heart, He can heal you of that, bring you back into fellowship with Him. Or maybe it has nothing to do really with sin. Maybe it's what I touched on earlier at the top of the study. Maybe you have a hard heart because you've just had a hard life. Just things that have happened over the course of your life. And so just kind of as a mechanism of protection, you said to yourself, I'm just going to be tough about this, and I'm going to have this hard exterior of a shell around my heart, and nobody's going to get in. Not God, not very few people. Very few are going to get in to my heart. Because I don't trust people. I don't trust me. Or maybe it's because you're afraid to be vulnerable again, because somebody's hurt you. And so you just developed a hard heart, again, as a way of protecting yourself. Your motto, unspoken, but your motto is, I'm going to hurt you before you ever hurt me, because that's what rocks do, you see. Or maybe, again, it's just this whole matter of pride. I'm tough. I'm independent, I don't need God, I don't need anybody, I can do it my way. And then you end up wondering, why are you so lonely? And you end up wondering, why do you feel so distant from God? I don't know whatever your reason might be, if in fact you would acknowledge that perhaps you have a hard heart, but what I do know is God can tenderize every hard heart no matter what the reason. Many years ago, on one of our earlier trips to Israel, I had a lady on our trip that I didn't know. She didn't go to our church, still doesn't. This is many years ago. She was just out of state, invited by some folks who did go to our church to jump on the trip with us. And so she came. All I knew about her was that she had been widowed. Five minutes into the tour, no exaggeration, five minutes into the tour, everybody could tell she's difficult. She was making everybody miserable around her. You talk about a hard-hearted person, her picture, if you look it up in the dictionary, was there. (laughs) Hard-hearted, hardcore. And everybody tried to befriend her. Everybody tried to be nice to her. And the nicer people became, the nastier she was. I mean, it was just like this reaction that I could see as I was just watching people peel away one by one, like, I don't want to sit next to her, don't want to eat a meal with her, don't want to be near her. She's just making life miserable for everybody on the whole trip. So, by the way, those of you going on the next trip, be nice, all right? It doesn't work out well if you're not nice. I actually was thinking to myself, this would be the first time ever, I was actually thinking to myself, how can I convince her to go home, we'll refund her money? It was that bad. It was that bad. How could I convince her? Get in a plane, go home. Don't go away angry, just go away. You know, that's the kind of thing I was thinking. And before I drastically came to that step, I felt like the Lord wanted me to just sit down and have a conversation with her. So this is about halfway through the trip. And in the lobby of one of the hotels where we were staying, I just asked if I could talk to her for a little bit. I was like, what do you want to talk to me for? Can I just talk to you? <laughs> All right. Sat down together. And I felt the Holy Spirit prompting me to ask her a question about her husband. I knew she'd been widowed, but I wanted to know about her husband who had died. So with fear and trepidation, I asked. This is how I started the conversation because I knew the prompting of the Holy Spirit. I said, can I ask you a question? Can you tell me a little bit about your husband? She said, why is anything about my husband any business of yours? It's going to be a long conversation here. I had to get saved three times in the course of that conversation. I'm telling you what. I said, I'm just curious about your life. Can you tell me about your husband? She says, I was happily married for many years. She told me I don't remember the number. Happily married. He was the love of my life. He was a retired federal judge. Said one day he was up on a ladder cutting a big branch off of one of the trees at our house. The ladder slipped, he fell, and that branch came down over him and killed him. She looked at me and she said, today is the anniversary of his death. And then she began to weep. She said, you know, I'm hard-hearted. I'm hard-hearted towards God, towards life, towards everybody else around me. She goes, I'm sure I've made this trip miserable for everybody. I said, no. She said, I'm just so sorry. I'm just grieving terribly over my husband. And I saw her melt right in front of me. I know it was the Holy Spirit. For the rest of that trip, she was like an angel. I prayed for her. And from that moment on, she was as sweet as anybody could possibly be. I'm here to tell you, I don't know what reason, if in fact, you acknowledge that you have a hard heart that your heart got that way. But what I do know is God can soften the hardest heart. And God wants to do that for you.
0: That's all we have time for today. Our study through the book of Ezekiel is not complete, and there's more to gain from this complex book of prophecy. We're so thankful that you've joined us to understand the word more. We trust Cornerstone Connection is a blessing to you. Pastor Gary has more to share from Ezekiel, but for now, you can explore his teachings on our website, cornerstoneconnection.cc. You'll find a list of messages available under the Teachings tab, and feel free to download them. We have a mobile app as well. Just click on the go. This is a convenient way to take the word with you wherever you might be. If you happen to live in the Leesburg area, we want to meet you. We have several weekend services at Cornerstone Chapel, where we spend time in worship, fellowship, and studying the Bible with Pastor Gary. Look for service times under the About tab on our website. Again, that's cornerstoneconnection.cc. If you live further away and can't make it to one of our services in person, come join us virtually. We live stream each gathering on our website. Well, our time is up for today, but thank you for tuning in. We hope you'll join us again next time when we continue studying through the book of Ezekiel with Pastor Gary right here on Cornerstone Connection.